Today, welcome to Partakers and our series, Wow Jesus, looking at the life of Jesus as told in the primary documents about him, the four Gospels of the New Testament. Today I want to talk about Jesus, the dying king. Isaiah chapter 52, verse 13 to 14. See, my servant will act wisely. He will be raised and lifted up and highly exalted. Just as there were many who were abhorred at him, his appearance was so disfigured beyond that of any man, and his form marred beyond human likeness. In Isaiah chapter 53, verses 10 to 11. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer, and though the Lord makes his life a guilt offering, he will see his offspring and prolong his days, and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After the suffering of his soul, he will see the light of life and be satisfied by his knowledge. My righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. The prophet Isaiah, centuries before Jesus' birth and life, was speaking about the Messiah, or as we know him to be, Jesus. And as we look together briefly at John chapter 19, correlate the two passages, the John chapter and also the ones of Isaiah, and see how they interlink. And what of Jesus? Firstly, we see that Jesus was condemned in John chapter 19. Pilate gave in and permitted the flogging and mockery in the hope of shaming Jesus' accusers. John chapter 19, verses 1 to 3. Pilate even affirmed Jesus' innocence after the scourging. John 19, verse 4. Jesus' refusal to answer stung Pilate into reminding Jesus of his Roman authority. John 19, verse 10. Jesus, however, corrected Pilate's idea of authority and told him that although Pilate may have power on earth, his power did reach beyond earth. John 19, verse 11. Jesus knew that his work of bringing people back to God into a loving relationship did not rest on the actions of a mere Roman governor, and Pilate was more concerned with his own position than he was for justice. And Jesus was the true Passover lamb. And not only was Jesus condemned, he was crucified. And Jesus bore his own cross and was killed as a common criminal. John 19, verse 17. Pilate was responsible for fixing the sign, the King of the Jews. John 19, verse 21 to 22. The clothes of condemned men were given to soldiers on duty. And Jesus showed concern for his mother Mary, even when he himself was in agony, committing her to the Apostle John. John 19, verse 26 to 27. And the crucifixion site was purposely chosen to be outside the city walls because the law forbade such actions within the city walls. For sanitary reasons, the crucified body was sometimes left to rot on the cross and serve as a disgrace, convincing warning and deterrent to passers-by. Sometimes the subject was eaten while alive by animals and still on the cross. In Jesus' final moments, I am thirsty, John 19, verse 28, and it is finished, John 19, verse 30.
and the desires of the Jews in John 19 verse 32 to fulfill their rituals was important because the Sabbath fell within the Passover festival. The breaking of his legs, John 19, 32 and 33, sped up the process of death. He couldn't raise himself up in order to breathe. The piercing of Jesus' side and the flood of, the flow of blood and water proved that Jesus was really dead. John 19, verse 34. And then Jesus was buried. Joseph of Arimathea, some think he was the rich young ruler, and Nicodemus buried Jesus. The significance of in which no one had ever been laid of John 19 verse 41 is to demonstrate that the body of Jesus at no point came into contact with the decay of a dead body. And what has Jesus' death done for all of mankind? Our natural state is that we are all sinners, Romans 3 verse 23. Through Jesus we have forgiveness that God forgives our sins, Ephesians 1 verse 7. We have peace, peace with God, Romans 5 verse 1. We are reconciled to God, 2 Corinthians 5 verse 19, and we are no longer enemies. Jesus' death on the cross justifies us before God, Romans 3, 24 to 26, and it cleanses us from sin, 1 John 1 verse 7. It makes us right before God. We are declared righteous. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21. And we now have been given direct access to God. Ephesians 2 verse 18. Through Jesus Christ. And we have freedom from the power of slavery to sin. Galatians 5 verse 1. And we have freedom from the power of Satan. Hebrews 2 verse 14. And it gives us Christ's intercession for us. Hebrews 2.17-18 And none of the things above or what I have said would be true if we did not follow Jesus. And why did Jesus go to the cross? First of all, the problem. Sin is what separates humans from God and as a consequence leads to both a spiritual and physical death. Isaiah 59 verse 2 In the Old Testament, sins were dealt with by blood sacrifices of atonement as coverings for sin, Leviticus 17 verse 11. For without the shedding of blood, reminds us Hebrews 9.22, there can be no remission of sin. A blood sacrifice is God's way of dealing with sin, and these blood sacrifices of the Old Testament signified several things. It provided a covering for sin, it showed the great cost of sin, it was an exchange or substitution, and it was only always going to be a temporary measure as it pointed forward to Jesus' death. So that's the problem, but what is the solution? The solution lies not in continual animal sacrifice of the Old Testament, because Hebrews 10 verse 4 reminds us that the blood of animals cannot take away sin, but was only a veneer. That was why it was necessary to repeat time and time again. It is only through the death of Jesus that sin is taken away, Hebrews 9:11-15, because Jesus is our permanent sacrificial substitute. And his substitution, Jesus died for our sin, the just for the unjust. That is how God is both just and the justifier of sinners. That is why Jesus needed to be both fully God and fully human. If he lacked either, 
it would not be the full substitutionary sacrifice that was necessary to bear the permanent consequences of sin. When Jesus died on the cross, in our place, he bore the consequences of all sin, past, present and future. He therefore became sin for us, 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21, and it was his precious blood as a lamb without spot or blemish, 1 Peter 1 18-19, that fulfills God's requirements permanently. And then there's propitiation towards sin and sinful behavior. God has great fury, anger and wrath, Jeremiah 21 verse 5. Yet as Micah 7 verse 18 shows, God is also slow to anger and quick to forgive. And propitiation basically means the turning aside of God's anger by the offering of the sacrifice of Christ. God's anger and judgment of sin falls on Jesus instead of on us. And but we need to approach God in order to appease his anger, in order to accept it. Romans 3.25, John 2 verse 2 and John 5 verse 6. It is our responsibility to take up God's offer. And 1 John 2 verse 2. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. And 1 John 4 verse 10. This is real love. Not that we loved God but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice or propitiation to take away our sins. And not only was it propitiation, but it was also an act of redemption. In the time of the New Testament, this word was used to refer to the buying back of a slave, the price paid to buy the slave's freedom. God paid redemption so that humans can be freed from the slavery to sin. The price was paid. And so we are redeemed with the precious blood of Christ. But it is our responsibility to choose that way. God does not coerce forcefully. He leaves it as a choice for humans to make as individuals. And what is our response to this to be if we are Christian disciples? Sacrifice, substitution, propitiation and redemption can be summed up in one word, love. For 1 John 3.16 states, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. And Jesus told us to take up our cross if we are to follow him as his disciple. Luke 9 verse 23 There is a price to pay for being true followers of Jesus. We must surrender completely to him. We must identify with him in suffering and death. We must follow him obediently wherever he leads. For more to think about, please do read John chapter 18 and 19. Ask yourself the following questions, writing them down if you can, and see how you respond or react to them. Then why not share your answers with your spouse or a close friend, so that you can pray over any issues together. Question 1. In the light of Jesus' teaching about suffering under persecution, how far am I prepared to go as his disciple? Question 2. Why was it necessary that Jesus be both fully human and fully God? Question 3. How is Jesus a king and how does that affect my relationship with him? Thank you.